I was going to say praying and wishing her similar things, but actually I'm not sure that's true, is it? No. Because you actually, you, I guess, well, I don't know, is the point of prayer, are you expecting return? Or is that, because that seems quite cynical. Yeah. I think that's quite a, um, maybe a selfish view of prayer. Yeah. Yeah, that probably is, right? Which is funny because, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe the point is like when you pray, you're meant to like, you don't just ask for stuff for yourself. Dear God, can I have a new bike? <laughs> He's not a father Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, I don't know, as long as you also asking for stuff for other people as well as yeah. yourself. I think also, I mean, I would say I see it as, a, as less of a, as a literal thing. Yeah, right. Um, and and I think I think not to speak on their behalf, but my family who are also religious probably say the same thing. You know, I know that you you probably ask for like, Lord, show me the way through this difficult time, rather than give give me <laughs> give me money so that I can survive not having any money. You know. Yeah, yeah. Where a wish is sort of inherently more material, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe you're wishing for world peace or end hunger and stuff. Yeah. But also, you're probably wishing for... Especially if you've got three of them. You... Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Um, let's just chat. This is a... Okay. We've got forever to talk. So, you know, I don't know whether you want to burn burn everything down. Burn the candle at both ends. Yeah. Which is something we can do, because we're doing this together now. Yeah. Hi everyone, welcome to Stay in Touch. My name is Jake Marsden and I'm joined with my only friend Jamie Knoll. He's from Halifax in Shelf. I've, Halifax in <laughs> Shelf. <laughs> I'm from Shelf in Halifax, but yeah. good try. Well remembered. I remember when uh, I went home, I should have done, I, let me, yeah, I'll do an intro and then we'll carry on, yeah, take two. We never synced either, but, oh, that's all right now because we're recording into the... Yeah, yeah, so they'll okay, be matched cool. up. Yeah, great. Um... Hello, this is Stay in Touch. I'm Jake Marsden, um, and I'm here with Jamie the James Noel. Hello. <laughs> I don't know why I did that, sorry. Hello. Do that now, then you've got to keep that up. Yeah. Do that all the time. Um, I remember going, I went home once, and uh, I'd gone home to Halifax and then sent Sydney a picture and said, like, Hi, look, I'm in Shelf. And she was like, I thought you were going home. And I was like, <laughs> what? Are you, what? I am at home. She was like, I thought you live in Halifax. And I was like... Yeah, it was like it was like in my house as well, like a picture of me in the living room, like with the couch and stuff in the background. She was like, "Where are you?" I was like, "Where do you think I am?" <laughs> I'm just in someone's house. I remember watching um, Jodie Whittaker say she's from a village called Shat. <laughs> what like C H A T or I don't know. I th- I think it's short for something. Ah, uh, like Sorry. Shatwell. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about my ignorance, Yorkshire. Shat. That's something we Shat. can. Um, what one of the things I think I'd like to do is. Um, oh, there we go. Amazing. That's just we've we've had. <laughs> on the cake. For anyone who's ever recorded anything or done anything with technology, what you'll know is that the smallest, less likely thing to go wrong does go wrong. And um, every uh, this should have been a really easy setup, but um, especially now we're not doing video. But uh, my recording software just decided it wasn't on my computer anymore and so we've had to improvise but Jamie you're really I mean really like especially in 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 
comparison to me, like really tech savvy. <laughs> and resourceful. Resourceful. <laughs> and you've done a lot of sound work. Y- yeah, yeah. I've, I uh, specialised in it at, at uni, but it was, it was more theatre sound. Um, but I enjoy I enjoy sort of like live mixing. I've had a bit of experience in that. I'd, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing a band, but I would like to do it. I'd enjoy it. Um, and I do some like home recording production stuff. Again, it's not not to any professional standards. Um, but, but but what what is these days? <laughs> I was, that's what I was just going to say. What what does that mean anymore? Because yeah. you 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 have all sorts of production coming off like different sounds coming out of all sorts of different boxes don't you and yeah yeah um what do you think um when when you got to uni and started doing sound did you were you already doing it or did you learn everything you knew from uh so, well i'd done a i'd done a bit with my dad um he's a music teacher and uh and he has dabbled a bit with making his own equipment soldering for for speakers and that sort of thing and he probably knew more than me but it it was never something that I, uh, you know, when you know like nothing about about a subject, mm-hmm. and you don't even know how to begin to ask questions, mm-hmm. um, and then as soon as I started learning about it at uni, I was able to talk to my dad a bit more about it, and he taught me a bit more. Um, but then also, I think as I learned stuff in my first year, things I'd heard became more clear to me, you know, because otherwise it was it was just just alien. Um, that makes sense. I always I wanted to do sound, yeah. But I was always um, I was torn between carrying on with things that I already knew I could do a bit, and for some reason I had this delusion when it came around to that that I knew a little bit about sound. Right. So I did lights instead because I didn't know any didn't know anything about lighting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it became quite clear in the years following that I know nothing about <laughs> sound. So I don't. Know. That was based on. I guess I just I'd. I, like I, I I plugged a bass guitar into an amplifier and got a sound out of it before. Yeah, yeah. So by you know by that metric, I had more experience in sound than lighting. So I thought <laughs> I might as well have a little bit of. I was very much like a jack of all trades, master of none. I think that's still useful. Yeah, especially if you're in the in the theatre world, if you're going to be a, a director or any kind of creative, really, to have a basic understanding of how. Everything technical works is is only gonna gonna go in your favour, isn't it? I have enjoyed that multidisciplinary, at least awareness, mm. if not knowledge or experience. Because then, when you, um, I, I remember when I directed something at uni, and this is you know a bad example, um, but it was like <laughs> there was no lighting design. I don't know if I was meant to have a designer. <laughs> who just didn't make themselves apparent because those productions were a bit like that, weren't they? Especially yeah, that one yeah. where you did the sound on that. Yeah. Um, but I remember Stan being in a situation where I was in the in the theatre with the the guy at the time who was doing doing the lighting, Tim Skelly. Oh. And he was just like, so what do you want? <laughs> and, it, you know, you just said about, like, you don't even know how to ask questions. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, uh... I don't know, and then he was he was really cool about it, and I guess the the cool thing about that course is that they wanted you to like they they didn't just want to you know they knew that you you didn't know this stuff, but would they would like to tease it out of you? Yeah, yeah. So he was like, you know, he didn't make me feel ashamed about that or whatever. Um, I think Tim was really good, uh, and and as as in my limited experience as a lighting designer, 
Uh, I've done it on several occasions and professionally. Professionally, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> but um, but I think the the best lighting designers or any kind of designer can go to a director and say, "How do you want it to feel?" And the director can say, "Bleak or mm. warm or or mm. however abstract it is." And the designer is able to, and I think that's your strength as 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 a, as a designer, you know, um, is is your ability to to translate those things and know what's gonna what's gonna work for an audience. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't. I'm not even sure though that I, in my capacity to di- as a director on that project, I'm not even sure that I <laughs> was able to provide that information. Steep but, learning curve. Yeah. Maybe I didn't think of it that way though. Maybe I should have been thinking a bit more like that. I probably just thought that he wanted me to say, you know, which lights I wanted and right. What, yeah, whatever. yeah. Um, I guess I get. I guess you learn a lot from being in those scenarios, right? As as a director or as as, as whoever, you make those mistakes then, so that when you are in a professional scenario, you've you've got as we just said you know even a bit of, of something so you can say to to the lighting designer oh do you want me to tell you exactly what lights or do you want me to just leave it up to you to be mm-hmm. a bit more yeah of course i mean it's, it's a learning environment isn't it? yeah and yeah actually that wasn't even in the curricular part of the um of the course it was just you know something we were doing for I'd say for fun. I don't really know if anyone <laughs> was having very much fun. <laughs> um, but maybe, yeah, maybe that's... me sat in my little little box, having a laugh. Yeah, watching everyone else flail. No, that makes me sound like I was better than everyone else. I wasn't. No, but, but you. The nature of the work is that you've got it done by showtime. Yeah, yeah. Unless anything goes wrong, <laughs> and that's the scariest part because <laughs> you're all, you're sat in there all cocky, and, and, then, and then minute showtime. Oh no! <laughs> and it, is that like like this? Like all of a sudden things would go wrong, and you had to fix it? Or generally speaking, was it more like you've prepared? So yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest challenge in in sound design, uh, more than light, I would say, is it's troubleshooting. Yeah. Um, because you can be as prepared as you want to be, but you know, I did a show uh, with with the Roaring Girls, um, and Amy Skinner directed it um, back when I was in second year, and I was a sound designer, and it was half an hour. It was it was the, the half hour call, and an amp had blown. I think it was an amp. Oh no, it was, it was the USB interface wasn't working right. And uh, and because it was earlier in my career, I wasn't really aware of what everything did. You know, I knew I knew how to design sounds and make them sound good, and then get them onto the onto the desk in the in the theatre. But I wasn't really sure of all the sort of nooks and crannies. And so so this thing went wrong, and I knew like the start of the signal chain and the end of the signal chain, and worked it in to figure out that that was the the bit that was wrong but didn't really know beyond that how to fix it. Mm. And so I had the, had the, you know, Neil was the, the sound lecturer at the time and he'd gone to have a chippy tea, bless him, <laughs> and he was halfway home and Jackie was ringing him. And, and I was like, oh, well, I can see lights on this, see lights on this. <laughs> um, and I, I think that, you know, as a, as a sound designer or, or a sound technician, maybe, that's that's the, the, difficult, the hardest bit. I feel like that story, though, has given me a bit of context to, like, we've when we've been out in professional settings and 
you just have this air of calm about you because I think that you're anticipating that. And I guess that that story in particular gives me a bit of context for like, you've dealt with these situations, so you know to expect it. And you know to a degree that... Because I think sometimes fixing some of those things is as much uh, about like having your, your head screwed on and not panicking about it as it is actually knowing what to do. Do you think that's that's right to say? Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And I think... Um... It's it's about getting as much context as you can when you can. I think right. So so we did a show um, in Sheffield, Sheffield local theatre was was the venue uh, when we were working as a theatre company. And going in there, I knew we had a lot of time to tech um, with the lighting desk that I hadn't seen before, but I had the manual, uh, and so I just learned as much as I can about where everything was going and what could go wrong. Um, and I th- I think that's maybe the difference between, you know, an earlier career. I, I, well, I was early career, you know, but versus versus me in, at university where it would be like, in, in first year particularly, oh, I've, I've designed my sounds. I've got them on USB. Happy days. Because it's then when it goes wrong, that, that was a yeah, real wake-up call for yeah. me. So now, or if I was in that situation going in, I'd be like, right, we've got this, we've got this, we've got this, we've got this. So that so that when that time comes, and it's also knowing that, like, you know, the world's not going to end. That's why you got to stay calm. It feels like it. It feels like it because that audience is about to walk in and you might not have any sound or lights or whatever. Mm. But it's about going, well, actually, you know, that, that's part of the joy of being an artist, right? Uh, the show must go wrong. <laughs> the, show, <laughs> the show must go wrong. Um, I think I prefer that to the show must go on. I think it's more more accurate i yeah. think it's a better better prepares you for what's for the reality I, it's funny you say that because i was going to ask do you think that in a strange way it felt like there was more pressure at uni than there was actually when we were doing it professionally just because of the difference in environment and the different the control you had over it or do you think the two are completely different and not comparable uh different different scenarios yeah presented different uh challenges i would mm. say um, so we did a preview of our Edinburgh show at, at Hull Truck, right? And I was really nervous for that one because I was like, these guys are amazing. They're, they're real technicians. Yeah, we were doing that in a in a real theatre. Yeah. And also as part of a like a festival with the other really big Hull theatre companies. Yeah, who've so been it, established longer than us much longer right yeah so it did like i did feel a little bit of like don't want to let let them know that i'm you know don't know what i'm doing that we're fumbling through this yeah yeah just a bit of a, give a bit of context yeah about yeah what we were doing. i i agree i agree and th- and then you learn when you're in that situation because i think it's hard when you're having these dialogues over email before you never met this person and then i got there and uh and met jess the line designer and she made me feel really comfortable and i was able to talk to her and be like look i'm kind of know this bit but i'm not so good on this bit and she was so accommodating it was fantastic you know mm. but you don't know that till you get there you know you and and maybe it's a it's a good expectation to to not expect people to be like that because then if they're not you're not let down maybe i don't know uh, i think that's something on preparedness um but that versus uh something on a smaller scale like the sheffield show where i had much more control over everything and the, 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 all the systems were much smaller. Uh, I felt a lot less pressure because I thought, if, well, if it goes wrong, I can easily run in and 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 
jump on it, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about stories that go wrong, because that was... I mean, let's not say go wrong, because, you know, it goes how it goes, and I kind of wouldn't change any of it. Um, that Sheffield um, t- uh, show was funny in particular, because I just think that was really funny that we, we rocked up, and, like, the getting was... We sort of put all the gear in, and then it had this like LED lighting system, didn't it? That we'd never seen before, yeah. and it was kind of incumbent on you to sort it out because that was sort of your capacity in the company and in the production. And we were just kind of shown to the desk, and yeah. <laughs> like you, were, they emailed you the manual, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like we'll be, uh, we're off for lunch if you need anything. Yeah, yeah Greg, <laughs> <laughs> give us a, give us a message, and God bless you. You would, and it was like, and and. Those situations were always like, I was just, like, you are the person in the room with the most expertise and, and knowledge about those kind of things. So, like, what am I supposed to do to try and help you? And <laughs> and, um, and and that's a that's a, a point on position of responsibility as, as that person, you know. How can I best utilise you guys? Uh, because I think it's um, naive to... Do the one man wolf pack thing, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's my favourite phrase. The one man wolf pack. <laughs> Otherwise, known as a lone wolf. <laughs> but you know, I think it's it it feels easier in the moment to be like, well, these guys don't know don't know it, so I'll just do it. Right. And and you and I think naturally as people we we underestimate other people. Um. And and we don't like to give up control sometimes mm. or a lot of the time. Uh, but but you know it, it's learning to be like, well, I, I can give Jake this this job to do because he can do that. You know, Jake can put the chairs in the right the right <laughs> yeah. place, count <laughs> count the rows, yeah, <laughs> tape the cables down. <laughs> May, I mean, maybe that's <laughs> that's more fiddly than you think it would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Um, we also, when we got to Edinburgh, we were playing, we were doing our show at a really cool venue, right, called the... The Roundabout. The Re- Roundabout. I was going to say Roundhouse, that's a different thing. <laughs> I'm glad I let you say it. The Roundabout, which was part of the Summer Hall venue. Yeah. And we were on at like, what was it, about half past three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. 10.35, Ten, <laughs> I think, 10 was the showtime. And we'd... Um, and even if, even if you know, even if you're not familiar with theatre and how it works, I'm sure this will be surprising to anyone to hear that we didn't, we didn't get to rehearse in the venue. We didn't put any of our stuff in the venue. We didn't see the venue until we got in, and that's just kind of the nature of, well, the nature of how Edinburgh works is you have your, like maybe like ten minute slot to get in, and then ten minutes at the end to get out. Yeah. But you, generally speaking, you're doing at least a few performances, probably over a few days, if you're not there for the whole week, for the whole month or two weeks. We were there for one performance, which meant that our slot was the 10 minutes before the show started and the 10 minutes afterwards or whatever it was. Um, and then the show before us was running late, right? Yeah. So we managed to, um, from some stroke of magic that I'm still quite not sure what happened. There was a, my phone's dinging off, sorry. Um <laughs> the there was a queue outside waiting for for yeah. our show, which was quite surprising and, and amazing and largely to the support of the other whole companies. But the show was running late already. We were all kind of anxious. Everybody had the battle, you know, battle stations. You're going to get in there, do this, do this, do this. Because also, ten minutes, yeah, yeah, is not is is not a, an amount of time to set up a show with instruments, you know, in a venue that we'd never seen. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, that was another. That was a situation where I was kind of like, I'm anxious, but 
I know that this is again incumbent mostly on you because this is you know you're the designer and the techie. Yeah. Um, it's my job to sort of go in there, sing the songs, and have a <laughs> bit of a giggle, and then go home. And then we got in there, and Danny Harris was helping you out, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, testament to everybody else. I think that was that was the the, the scariest time for me because I'd I'd emailed ahead for roundabout, but again, I wasn't really like there was a lot of of. Uh, jargon in the emails and and requirements that i wasn't familiar with mm. um and also emails were getting lost because of how that sort of setup for that show worked emails were getting lost between people so stuff that i didn't see and they didn't see and so i met the head designer before and uh and he was like yeah we got this really <laughs> we got this really strange email from and i was like oh i don't know who sent you that and it was it was me <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah i don't know what's going on there <laughs> You'd send it. What was the strange email you'd sent him? Well, it was what I thought they wanted. Right. But ab- upon him explaining it to me, then I was like, "Oh, that's what you wanted." And I, <laughs> and I could have done that. But the trouble is, is these Edinburgh venues have such you know it's huge quotas of, of of artists and people coming in, and and uh, I, I should have asked for more help. That was on me. Um, but not that I didn't ask for help. I I did, and 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 again, Danny Harris was 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 fabulous. And she met me before and talked through all this, the specs that I'd done and things and talked about all my anxieties and worries. And then also we had Liv Presto, who was a, another angel on that production. Also drove us to Edinburgh. Yeah, drove us to Edinburgh. Mad props. What a legend. Listening um, to now 52 or whatever in the yeah, back of the car. God, I'm surprised didn't kill us. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then she uh, she opt lights for us, which was fabulous. So yeah, so, th- so this uh, the head designer was like, as long as you've got loads of long XLR cables, which are sound cables, and we had four. <laughs> and so in that moment, I was like, yeah, I think we'll be fine. And I'm calculating like, right, okay, so if, if we've got the keys in this place and the... But we got in there, the cables were long enough, everything was set up, and I just relaxed. I just relaxed. However, <laughs> we then had an issue, which I, I, I think I'm remembering this right, um... The sound desk was operated by an iPad and the technician we had with us didn't have the password for the iPad. <laughs> Which, it's always something, something silly like that, right? That's, yeah. Oh my, wow. Um, and so, so so then we had people, you know, people from Hull Takeover, which was the initiative, like the producers, Munya and, and Ellie, were coming up to me and being like, don't worry, it's going to be fine. You know, so yeah, just to like, to really... The the situation oh, yeah, here sorry, is that like no 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 you, totally explain your part of it. The situation is we're already in late. It's it's like oh, what is it like eleven p.m. Maybe yeah. We're we're worried at this point that people are going to people are standing in the queue and they're going. I'm not staying for this. Well, let's just go home. Um, we get so we've got this supposedly ten minutes and then just there's no we can't make the sound work. Yeah, and this is a show. That, you know, it's like a gig theater yeah, show. So, someone asked, didn't they, whether we could do that sound? And me in my, uh, you know, I don't know, but I was like, oh, maybe we could. And you and Matt were both like, no. And <laughs> thank goodness you did. Yeah. <laughs> that was me trying to be really accommodating. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, in, like in that that situation there, you know, in the moment, I'm very much like. Let's act, no, well, we've worked so, this is the show yeah, that we've yeah. come to do. We've worked so hard to get to this point. And then to be like, what's the, and also, to be honest as well, also, I was kind of like, it's probably worse to do the show 
acoustic than it is to like I don't I don't well I don't know at that point I'm probably not thinking now let's just turn around and go home yeah but I I think that the the arrangements of the songs were so dependent on the the beautiful keys work that you were doing and um and Jack had a microphone the whole time yeah and, yeah that was a huge and it, it became very important to his like him and his performance yeah and rightly so um so yeah anyway that's just like the Again, the context of it. Yeah, so but, I think that we must have gone up like half an hour late, right? Yeah. But uh, maybe even more. Maybe more, I think, yeah. But in, in that time that um, that, that, we, <laughs> that we were that we were waiting for them to sort it out, because there wasn't really anything we could do. You know, we were just sat, and, and the producers were coming up to me and going, everything's going to be all right. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, now I know that I haven't... Yeah, okay, right. So you were just like, thank God it's not me. I've yeah, done... Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean... Again, was probably not the right attitude because, uh, like you say, all these people were queued up outside. I think it's a right attitude because, again, the probably something we haven't said is that you were also in the show. Yeah, yeah. So... And I needed to, like, focus a minute to be able to... <laughs> yeah. It's a lot for someone to do to to set all the... And you were kind of, when these situa- in the getting situation, you were our, also kind of the production manager in, in a sense, too. Because then, then it, it was on you to tell us what to do and yeah. get the equipment sorted out, do the sound, and then we'd, you know, try and get ready to do our performances, um, which, to be fair, you didn't have a real problem with anyway because you were just doing what you do so brilliantly. My part was easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, well, well, I mean, I, I, I guess that bit for me was like... Uh, because I, I, I feel quite comfortable playing playing the keys, you know. And so what, that part was like a treat. That was like my reward. <laughs> All the stress is paid <laughs> off. You get to play some piano for the nice audience. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, that that performance went down really well in that venue, didn't it? And well, I think. Do you think there's a, a case where the the audience were as relieved as we were to get in there and be like, "Cool, we're at, we are actually going to see the show." Yeah. And then maybe it gave us a, like an underdog element where everyone was. It the, the show to that that it felt a little bit like. Um, not a, yeah, it kind of felt like a, a bit like a victory lap because we yeah. we were about a year in at that point. We'd done lots of rehearsal and reworking of the show, re, re-scripting, whatever. Then we'd done it at the launch. We'd taken it to the National Student Drama Festival, then to Sheffield, then done it in Hull at Hull Truck. Yeah, yeah. And then it was kind of the swan song of the of the production and kind of the, the goal, wasn't it? it yeah, it yeah. It definitely felt like the third act of the movie where yeah. everybody gets what they want so I, I sort of feel like obviously we had to do the show and do it well but it there was a sense of like this this is it we've kind of we've, yeah we've made it through I think it was it was a long time coming right because we did the uh the first performance of the show at the Adelphi Club in Hull on the 15th of January and then we pitched to absolutely cultured um to to take the show to Edinburgh for for the funding and the support that they and we were us. do, do now, we, were we pitching like expecting to get that or were we pitching like we're never going to get this but it's a good idea it's a good experience yeah I think it was more the second one right um, and we didn't do it how we pitched it which was to do like two weeks in a big like yeah, yeah. underbelly venue but I mean they 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 said that they re- they really enjoyed our pitch I mean and this is you know kudos to us if if I'm allowed to say that. Um, they enjoyed the pitch, and it showed how well we'd thought it through. I think it's because we'd done a lot of presentations at uni like that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think also we we just between the three of us, we had a lot of we were all very 
conscientious and and careful about what we were doing and even if we didn't know something we'd we'd find it out and mm. so that we could be as bulletproof as as possible in those scenarios right and and that and that hopefully showed in in the performances that all went relatively smoothly yeah even the one where it was just my dad and Jack, our actor's partner. Yeah. That was it, in the audience. <laughs> that was my favourite one, maybe. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> That's the nature of... Well, it's funny because I think I, I thought of the show a lot like being in a band. And yeah. I think that that's part of being in a band, is that you play that show to just your dad and your bass player's partner or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But we weren't a band. Do you think that's? Do you think people do that in the theatre? I think people... I mean, we were in a city for, what, five, four, five nights? Yeah. And it wasn't our city. We didn't have we didn't have an audience there, and we just took a punt, didn't we? Yeah. Do you think people do do companies do that? Do shows do that and end up like not performing for a night? Or can, I guess I guess shows get cancelled like through yeah, the run. Right? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's maybe a necessary step, you know, because uh, or, I mean I don't know. No, nobody aims to perform to no one, right? Um, or to perform to two people or whoever. But you learn a lot from those shows, and and I think that's important is is aim high, and then take everything as an experience, you know. And and Jack was really really useful for, um, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> for advocating that. You know, he would say, well, you know, we should still do the show because what can we get out of this? What can we learn from this? You know, there's always going to be another show. There's always going to be another experience where something that happens tonight might come into play. Not to say that, like I said, I don't, I don't think you should go out there and be like, well, who cares if nobody turns up? Because ultimately the goal is, you know, your your theatre that you make is is a, is for people to enjoy, I would hope. Well, yeah, you want as many people to engage with, I mean, hopefully, and we were making a show where it was about stuff that we cared about and wanted to change people's minds about. Yeah, yeah. So there's no point being passionate about making that show and then ultimately like you say not do, not taking the effort to make sure people engage with it yeah. but the same way we were like so new and we would i think we were doing something that people don't generally do i think yeah, like, yeah. there's there's a i think the opportunity came up so we went for it i yeah. think there's a case to be made that like we were safer and um had more to gain from just doing a couple of bits in whole until we were like ready to venture out but also like I said, I think you know the opportunity came up, and yeah, you've got to we, take we, the leap, we, haven't you? Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. No, you're right. So we weren't necessarily like it wasn't an exercise in. Um, I don't know. It felt a little bit like a we've got nothing to lose because we didn't have anything to lose. Yeah. Because um, we didn't, you know, we didn't like. I guess we technically broke even, which is to say, we didn't spend any money on the show. Yeah. So it didn't matter that we didn't make any either. So it was like. We weren't in a position where it was like, you know, if we were like a big theatre company and then we had a show that no one, all of a sudden no one came and it didn't engage anyone. Mm. Well, we're probably like in a position where we, we have big goals to engage the community and make a continued difference. But we weren't at that stage. We were at that point. So it yeah. was kind of like... I, I think theatre and theatre companies, you know, is it's much more socially engaged uh me or much more literally socially engaged medium than something like music that a band would play uh so you have a real responsibility i think to uh to be aware of that to keep up to date and to practice your craft you know where whereas a band it might just be 
I make people feel sad or make people feel happy because of the chords I'm playing, you know, versus in theatre it's a lot more, uh, there's, there's a lot more depth to every tiny little, it's just completely different, right? Mm. It's completely different and uh, I think that's important to be able to get, to go out and, and 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 have those experiences and go what are we going to do next then you know what's what's it, it, i think a band would do a similar thing but it would just be mm. slightly different you know yeah i guess there's like there's also an element of like the like the stand up model of showing it to a few people before you take it yeah, more yeah. widely um i also like that idea too that we like if one person saw the show in Sheffield that hadn't seen it before it was worth going yeah i i really like I don't know if I necessarily, totally, especially on the week itself, if I would really align myself with that idea. Yeah. Um, but in hindsight, I've, I definitely feel like that. I guess it's just difficult to like, I don't want to st- like stand behind that as a principle that, that you can count on me to agree with. Because like, if somebody says that to me now, do you want to go to, do you want to uproot your life for a week and go to Sheffield for to, so one person sees the show? I don't know if I'd feel the same way. Yeah. Not that only one person saw the show in Sheffield. I think it was at least two or three. <laughs> um, but do you, do, you, do you know what I mean? I really yeah, like I that idea. It. If it was like, it's different if it's just around the corner, down the road. Yeah, yeah. You've absolutely. sold one ticket. I'd be like, well, great. And actually, I sort of did a similar thing because I was in a show um, that toured around libraries in, in East Yorkshire. Yeah, and we yeah. toured around a lot of libraries too. It's not, It wasn't like, you know, and obviously the more saturated your your schedule is the the more you're spreading out people who are going to come get a ticket um the more performances you do probably the less the lower your numbers are going to be um and we did a lot of dates in a three-week period and there were there were dates there were performances where we had like maybe two i just i felt like i got i mean it went up and down it never it wasn't like it started big and then got really small you never knew what you were turning up to sometimes you were turning up to a library that where like the performance space was literally as big as this living room. Right, right. Um, that was most of the time actually. Um, so you know you might you might have five people there, um, and then some of them we had like twenty there. It was quite big, but I w- I just like because we were doing so many dates. I thought I kind of want to do one show where just one person turns up, right, just to feel what that's like. Um, and I do think that would have been worth it. But again, that's in the context of like we did. Uh, I don't know somewhere between twenty. 30 shows something like that yeah, I don't yeah. know so when you're doing that and people are turning out to everyone you kind of go like for fun what would it be like to do it to yeah, one person yeah of course but if we were doing and we were doing a week in Sheffield and we had that one night where it was like I th- it turns out nobody's coming it does feel a little bit like ah uh, that's not very cool yeah yeah it's tricky I, I think my uh, sort of ethos particularly with playing with the band but you know it carries over Ophelia, by the way. Oh yeah, I will plug all this. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> um, we've got we've got so I've got like so much stuff. So Jamie's doing this and he's doing this. And he's doing I know. This. I feel like I should be asking you as well. What about? Uh, tell us about your um, uh, mindfulness reading. <laughs> no, check it. That's like the. <laughs> no, I, nobody wants to hear I, about I, that. No, <laughs> I was like, what's the thing that I can. <laughs> <laughs> then like it's not marketable maybe it is I don't know Jake's going to become a mindfulness professor if that's a thing he's going to invent it um, I, I, well, okay I'll, I'll quickly talk th- this nugget of information on the band and then we'll talk about you, you've you got options 
cut this bit out. You can talk about uh, John Godber, working with John Godber, or your time as a um, supported artist, Hung Truck. No, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> or you can talk about uh, what you're doing at the minute in terms of... <laughs> He's pulling her face. <laughs> Mindfulness, <laughs> philosophy, or maybe like uh, secret option D, which is you decide. Um, but what I was going to say, my little nugget, maybe that last bit will get cut out, is I, I say... I'm not editing this. <laughs> I say to the band before we go on stage, every time, every show, I'm like, this could be our last show. This could be any one of the audience's last show. You're threatening them if you don't play well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so I'm like, you know, we want them to to buy into us as a as a as a brand, as a band. Um, so let's go out there and play this as if it was our last show. And also, we owe that to ourselves, mm. you know, because if you're going out there and you're not having fun, then I mean, what are you doing? Get out the way. Let someone else do it because someone else has <laughs> has gonna like that's gonna be the richest moment of their life. And and I think for me, being on stage, playing music is is like the richest time in my life. Yeah, you know, I get some serious blues after. Yeah, after that, I agree with that. It's a really unique experience. Mm. That, and I guess not everyone has like an analog for that because not everybody does it. But it is a really like. It's one of those, I mean, we were talking a little bit about like alcohol last night and I guess like the the feeling of like, this is my life right now in this moment and you can't possibly think about anything else. You can't, I mean, you, you do have you, if you play a lot, you yeah. have your, your nights where you're thinking, I'm going to go home and have some beans on toast in the middle of your <laughs> slap bass solo or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that, that is a, and that's not to I, idealize either the, that's not to say that like if you, if you're in a, touring band and it's it's a lot of work and and it's not always fun and games but you're so right that you've got to just find the you got to find the pleasure in it whatever you're doing yeah i sort of feel like that's the same for anything i think any occupation or whatever and that's also not to idealize like if you work in the whatever factory you have (laughs) get out of the way if you're not enjoying it (laughs) i think it's it's finding a balance right of not not letting yourself uh become stagnant in in uh, unless unless it's like it is your dream job you know if your dream job is to work in a in a bakery fabulous you've done it you know but if if that is just to pay and bakery was a was an example not to <laughs> diminish anyone who works in a bakery it's not for you um, if you don't want to work in a bakery you're allowed to say you don't want to work i know that's not what you're saying but yeah, yeah. i don't think you need to worry about tripping up on that oh great um <laughs> all, all these jackson's bread workers getting mad at me uh but you know, if if I've, I've lost it now, <laughs> um, if that is just a, a way to to pay the bills whilst you are pursuing some other career or dream, then great. You know, don't give up on that. But also, if you only because because that dream might not become a reality. Okay, that's like that's something that we all have to face up to. It's not very nice, and don't focus on it. But it is a possibility. So there is no point being sad, doing anything else but that. Because you might never ever be happy, yeah. So it's about, tr- and and uh, that's easier said than done. You know, I'm just this wi- uh, strange guy spouting spouting wisdom that is uh, that I sometimes don't follow myself. But what I th- how I try to follow it, you know, is uh, don't give up the dream, but also don't uh, don't only focus on the dream. 
It's yeah, all right. That's, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, from the previous waffle, you understood. What out I of mean. context, we'll we'll pick a meaning out there. Yeah. Can you hear that? Can you hear that sawing? Oh, is it a saw? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a cat. No, it is a saw. Yeah, I can't hear it. Can Can you hear it, viewers? Viewers, listeners, viewers with your ears. Uh, what were we talking about? No, we're not talking about any of that stuff. Okay. Um, what a yesterday at the time of recording. Um, two of Hall's biggest music venues. Dis. Uh, it, it was told to us that they were closing down. Yeah. We've lost the Polar Bear. We've lost the Welly. And that was it, right? Those two. And a uh, whole box office. Which oh yeah, is I knew there was a third thing. Like the, like, t- like yeah, system. like the ticket, yeah, the yeah. ticket vendor that facilitates all of the. Um, and that feel I I was mourning that a little bit yesterday. I think that's that's huge, and it's so. This is so like me that I was like resentful of everyone who was posting about it on social media because I, you know, I was like, you're missing the point, and that's just horrendous. That's a horrendous attitude, and everybody should feel the way that they feel about it. Um, because you know, like people were posting about like, oh, I had some of the best nights yeah, out of my life there, yeah. and I was kind of like, that's not at all the point. The point is that like that's people's livelihood, and yeah, it feels a bit vapid, doesn't it? It did, it did. How, but I was thinking about it more this morning, and I thought like maybe I'm missing the point because actually the reason that those venues exist is for audiences yeah, and yeah. for participants. So actually, if if the welly is, um you know welly is for people to go and get smashed out of the face and have what they call the best night of their lives like that's what it's for so i can't like it's hypocritical of me to feel upset that it's closed and also deny people that pleasure yeah yeah i see um i i I, you know i think i'm will i think it's more of a shame that it as a music venue is as closed because i think people will always find some corner of the city to go and get smashed and yeah. make bad decisions in. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just me. Uh, I decided I'm going to be more honest on oh. on this. You, you like that as yeah, a scandal? Yeah. <laughs> no, I th- I think it's important, right? Because um, if we're not honest, then what are we? No, that was that was. Not, I just made that up. Well, we just got a message from Jack. Whoa! Here we are talking about Jack in the show, and then for the first. Um, we sent him a, a Lego voucher, uh, and he's just sent us a video of what he's going to spend it on. Um, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, what are we talking about? We're talking... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be honest. Go, go on. Can I go for a week? You can go for a week. I'll be really quick. You guys won't even notice, because I'm back. I'm not back. I'm not. <laughs> I was going to come back and... <laughs> We'll be back after these disturbances. Yeah, you're all good. Um, here's a related thought. I can't. What were we talking about? Honesty. Or yeah. we're going to come back to that. Come back to that. Um, Boris Johnson's just announced that uh, indoor live performance will resume from August first. What? 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 <laughs> wow well, I mean not will resume I don't think he, like it will resume when people are ready right Cause yeah yeah lots of companies won't have work ready to go up then but, the but apparently from the 1st of August that's a thing that you can do cool so that's and obviously we're we're we were talking last night it's a catch 22 because like you kind of want to celebrate that's good because we the because artists can go back to work 
you're, there's also a fear that it's you know we're not in terms of the the stage of the virus it's not time yet we're not yeah. ready um but you know that's there's no answer to that and i'm not going to try to form or express <laughs> a view on what i believe is correct there because it's you know way above my level of understanding and reasoning yeah uh you, so we were yeah i'll just finish the thought i was having about honesty yeah i was gonna say now that there's two honest. now there's two of us like this is your i mean I put you in the position now where you like if I say something outrageous, you've got to tell me about it. So okay, great. Um, I love that. I live oh, for outrage. Oh well, that's good then because I was going to say otherwise you 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 know if you don't say anything, then you align yourself implicitly with what I believe. Oh wow! So if I say Fresh something enough. that's yeah fundamentally offensive, yeah, and you don't refute that, then mm-hmm. that, that will go down in history as you you know you advocate and um, enable that behaviour from me. Brilliant. I don't think I'll say anything really horrible or offensive, right? I, I, it's rare that you do. It's rare. Do you think I'd say... No, I'm not going to make you answer that. Yeah, that time that you... <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't think you do. And I think... Uh, no, I... <laughs> <laughs> I think, no, I don't think so either. I think I'm so, like, um, conscientious of how we talk about things that I find myself... I'm careful about what, what I say... What I even think sometimes, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to like police my own thought, but I, I do like, I think it's important whoever you're speaking to and wherever it is, even, you know, if we're at home around, if it's just me and you around here, I think that everything I say sets an example for you and yeah, I everything agree. you say sets an example for me. So I, even, even then I try to be respectful to, I, I agree, yeah. to whomever we're discussing. It's, it's easy to, to use the, these four walls thing, isn't it? And yeah. Use that as an excuse to to uh, exercise thoughts that might be harmful or or negative or um, discriminative is the word that I'm going for. Um, but actually, it's about you've got to hold yourself accountable wherever you are, haven't you? I think so. And the I... more you can practice not being like that, the more hopefully you can be a more compassionate person. Yeah. Um, and uh... Are you going to tell me some outrageous things? No, I'm not. I'm not. Um, we should talk. What is it? I mean, I I told you this news yesterday, and then I, I was like, should I say this? Because he's going to find out on Facebook. And then I thought, no, I should say it, because it like, directly affects you. And I said that. Yeah. You, you know, you understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a... What do you... How are the... How are the bands in Hull going to cope without the polar bear? Oh, yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll speak on this as a member of a band in Hull. I play uh, bass in... Um, play bass? <laughs> Freaky circle. Uh, I play bass in a <laughs> band called Ophelia. Um, we are five-piece indie pop, similar to the likes of 1975, Two Door Cinema Club. You know, there are sort of like big influences, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um you can check us out on Spotify. Shameless. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, um, that's why we're here. This is just a vehicle to plug your band. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but you know, I I I, uh, I like the music we do. I I champion it. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that's I good. Would, I, yeah. I don't think I'd been in the in the band otherwise. You know. Um, but so as a as a as a member of the community of whole musicians. Um, yeah, the polar bear was a huge. It's a huge step for young 
uh, career-wise young artists, I think, because um, they would have a, a night there, weekly night on a Tuesday called Sesh, and that was for promoting unsigned artists. They'd put on three acts, and your first and final act would be Hull artists, and then your middle one would usually be an out-of-town artist as well, which would be really great for, for allowing them to come over and and uh, get that exposure that new artists really, really need. Um, so that was just a, a wealthy wealthy tool for artists. And unfortunately, it's uh, as of right now, you know, it's, it doesn't have a home anymore because Polar Bear, the venue that it was held at, has shut down. Um, so you say that as the... I, and I guess I forget to think about this. Like, that, it probably will... I mean, I'm saying that with all the hope in, in my yeah, heart. Yeah, yeah. That I, it'll probably pop up somewhere else. I, I like to, to think so. You know, the the guys who run Sesh are fantastic. And I and and uh, Mac is really involved in the music scene all over. You know, he does, the, does Trinity Live, which is a, a similar sort of event to Sesh, but it's in town at a... Um, in the indoor market, um, and so I, I'm pretty sure they won't just say that's the end, you know. Um, which is they're fantastic, uh, him and Dan. But uh, it's a it's a blow, it's a blow to to the music scene, and, and like I say, it's it's a shame because all these young artists could, would have the opportunity to to you know send their work to to the Sesh team and say, look, I'm starting out, and and get the that so important initial gig or gigs, you know. It was like it feels like it was like a short term dream. Yeah. Like if you were starting a band, if I was starting a band, I would want to be like I want to be in a place where we headline sesh. Yeah. And that would be, I mean, even just to get on the lineup. Yeah, yeah. Let alone headline it, I would be kind of like we've just introduced ourselves to the whole music scene. Yeah. Which is is would be huge. And do you think what like do you think that has an impact on? I mean, God knows where live music is right now, anyway. Yeah. But for like someone who, someone wanting to start a band right now, or someone starting up, is that really demoralizing? Is that demotivating? Because where I don't know where your yeah. what, where your aspirations are are aimed now. I think it absolutely is because you know I, I come from Lincoln, that's where I was brought up, and um, and of course there are venues there which. Uh, Excuse me. There are venues there which host live music, um, and I haven't I haven't been there in a while, so it might be different now. I'm sure it's different after all that's been going on. Um, but the the magical thing about Sesh was you would have people that would go every week to hear this live music, and that just instantly builds up a community of people that want to hear your music. You know, mm. it's not just I'm going down this pub and hopefully one or two people who are sat in there having a Sunday roast will like my music. You know, it's 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 a real different beast. Can you imagine someone having a Sunday roast in the middle of sesh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> I would do. I would do it actually. Yeah, I've just yeah. said that out loud. I'd do that. The last time I went out before lockdown, it was I went to Spoons and I was having like a. Ooh. a yeah, don't go there. Um, or do oh, that's complex as well. Yeah. Um, I I was having a full English at like nine p.m. In uh, wow. spoons on a Saturday night, <laughs> people like banging into me because I had my elbows out with my knife and fork. Were you on your own? <laughs> no, no, I wasn't on my own. <laughs> Although 
um, it's quite telling that that's what you think of me. <laughs> I don't think I'd refute that. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd be proud of you. I think I, I'm a, like a weird guy like that. I think I'm quite sort of eccentric in a boring way like that. <laughs> where I'm just like... There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, it's just, I'm just a bit different in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, yeah well I derailed that to make a joke about having a roast in the middle of sesh but yeah it's um, yeah it's, de- demoralising you said I yeah. I think it it probably is because like I say you haven't got the, the audience isn't isn't going to be the same if you go to another bar I see right so the, the issue also is that it loses some of its DNA and some people were so excited to go specifically to the polar bear yeah. for sesh and now if it pops up even if it's one of you know another great venue, maybe the location is different, and that's a problem for people. Or... Yeah, it'll, it'll take time to to get back. I'm, I'm sure as as these things just just do, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's a fear that like all live music starts to become starts to disappear in the city once yeah. you've lost fruit and you've lost polar bear. Yeah, like I don't really know. I'm sure that I mean off off the road. They were like coming up as a as a venue yeah, yeah. before lockdown. That's maybe promising. Um, I I wonder if you know. I, I feel like I don't really want to say back in the day, you know, but I think it it used to be much harder to um, establish yourself as an artist if you weren't uh, if you didn't make the move to London or maybe Manchester or somewhere like that. You know, one of these big hubs. And I wonder if it's going to become a bit more like that mm. to start with. You know, I I don't know. We've got the the we've got social media now, which is 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 is, is a huge factor in that. But that's a blessing and a curse, right? Because yeah, because it's so accessible, which means that you can do it, but it means so can everyone else. Yeah, and and I agree. I think it becomes really how do you differentiate yourself? Really saturated. Um, as as you know, I I uh, handle all our social media, and on Twitter, there's just like thousands and thousands well millions of, of of bands all over you know and you connect with a hundred people and it's just a drop in the ocean mm. uh it's it's not the same as that real connection that you get mm. i'm gonna go for a wee as well nice when you said you were going i thought yeah i should go to get it out of the way and then i was like i can handle it i'm a big boy <laughs> i'm too i'm not it's not happening <laughs> We've been going for almost an hour, but I could keep going. What do you want to do? Yeah, I mean, I would say half twelve is my cutoff. Great. Um, but yeah. Cool. You have things to do. Socialite. I need to have a shower. <laughs> but then I have things to do that. Yeah. What are you doing today? You're going to the, going to the pub with 30 of your closest friends without a mask on? Yeah, and I'm going to uh, put my finger in everyone's drink. <laughs> No, I'm not, guys. No, For goodness not. sake. Neither of us will do be that. Be responsible, wear a mask, social distance still, the virus is not over. I just thought of a... I thought of... I remembered something in the bathroom and I thought it would be fun to tell you a fact about yourself that I don't think you know. Oh, that can't That be sounds good. fun, right? Oh, yeah, that sounds fun. I think you might know, but you. I don't think you do. So when lockdown hit, you bought a Nintendo 2DS and with a copy of Pokemon Sun? Moon. Sun. Sun. Yep. Which I fully supported as an avid lover of video games, but also as a person who wanted you to not be miserable while you, we were locked in the house. <laughs> You're not a, not really a gamer, right? I 
I'm absolutely not a gamer. I'm a terrible gamer. So here's the story of how that happened. Jamie went from playing no video games whatsoever, maybe an hour of like overcooked something multiplayer <laughs> with me for an hour. You play, you bought a 2DS, you played Pokemon Sun for 45 hours, <laughs> put it down and never played it again. Yeah. <laughs> My binging personality. What an interesting 45 hours and then you were like, I'm done with video games now. Yeah. That's everything I needed. There's there's something really special to me about Pokemon. That mm. was the only video game I really like ever committed to. Yeah, you connected with it. Yeah, but then everything else just kind of, I was like, oh, no. Interesting. And so I think that was it. I was like, oh, well, I've, I've completed the game. So <laughs> there we go. And there are still other side missions and things that I haven't got around to. But but that's what I love. That's the, the purity of that. I love that. That's what I love about it. That you were like, I'm done with this. I'm done with not just video games, but the one video game that you wanted to play. You were like, I've totally had my fill. And you were just happy and content with that. Yeah. I wish I could I wish I could do that. I think I felt, uh, and not to dismiss anyone who enjoys playing video games, but me personally, I was like, I'm just wasting so much time on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that is because I'm not very good at... Uh, I I want to like commit to I want to commit to playing that game, which is why I played forty five hours over a week. That's not true. Uh, it was a bit longer than that, but it's still <laughs> it's still a lot. <laughs> you know, one day I played like eight hours, which was crazy. Um, You'd be surprised though. Forty five hours is nothing for yeah, some people. Yeah, yeah, it really does go, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, what was I saying? You were yeah, you were saying that you want to commit to it. Yeah, and so. And so I commit all that time, and then I look back at my day, and I'm like, "Why? Why have I stared at that screen for so long?" I th- it's totally interesting because I think there's such a I like as a as someone who has just sat on my own and played games all day for my my whole life. I've done that, you know, since I was like <laughs> not laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> I was giving you a friendly smile. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know you were. I was just being defensive. Um, <clears throat> I think that. Like I've discovered, especially in recent years, that you... I don't think I was ever happy doing that, but I don't know I don't know that I knew what else to do with myself. Yeah, right. Now, as a, am finally growing up a little bit, and at 26, I've kind of figured out that you have to do some, like, adult stuff first to be able to properly relax. And now I, I'm quite... I suppose, in a way, I'm grateful for the voice in the back of my head if I'm just sitting to play Last of Us 2 at, like, 11 in the morning, and the voice in the back of my head says... Is there some stuff that you could be doing that's more productive than this before you do this? I'm, I guess I'm grateful for that voice. Yeah. Um, I've I've struggled with that, with like, wow, I'm wasting all this time. But to get like spiritual about it, I don't know. It's like sometimes I worry. Sometimes a game is so fun and so immersive that I come out at the end of it and I kind of go like, wow, where was I that whole time? Right, right. Sometimes a game is like too immersive, you know, and it just, yeah. and it feels like escapism. And I'm a bit, I'm a bit worried about that. I'm a bit scared of, of escapism. Yeah. I think I'd at least rather be like playing something that confronts me with, like, like VR is really cool. Not for escapism reasons. Like, right. because, because you, you, you have, if you have a physical presence in the world, it feels more like you, you feel more present. Okay, yeah, And yeah. more like, I'm more aware of, of what's going on. If you play something really heavily narr- narratively driven, you kind of like lose yourself in it and then mm. think, oh, wow, where have I been? What, you know, what's happened? Um, 
and yeah, that it, that is a, a difficult a difficult balance. Um, but it, I've I've really started to make it work for me again, which is like cool. I think you've got to you've got to allow yourself. It's definitely it's totally an anxiety thing. It re it, it's got to be probably for anyone. I think because like you can sit and it's just the same as like sitting and watching TV for hours. We can do that pretty guilt free because it's quite normal. Yeah, normalized in 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 our culture, but video games feels somehow inherently more like a waste of time. Yeah, which I think is something about the a dis, dismiss dis, dismission. What's the word? Dismissing? Yeah, dismissing yeah. of 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 the of the medium. Um, I guess there's a barrier to entry. Not everyone can just. I mean, you've got to first of all spend a few hundred quid on a system and yeah, yeah, and you know get get into it. So it's not like anyone just like you know everyone's got a telly. So you accidentally watch a show and go like, oh yeah, I get into this. Mm. So then people, everybody understands TV and film as a medium. Not everyone has had the same experience of of games. Yeah. Um. So you don't. There's like a dismissing of of its artistic integrity or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's, but you know, it's a. I, th- I think I had to really double down on it as a pastime and a hobby to feel comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah. I think until I made my peace with like, this is what I like to do. It's one of my hobbies. If I, if what I like to do was like dirt biking, and that's all I did, I think that would be unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. If I played football and all I did was play football, and all of it, and you know, my, I was at uni and my grades were slipping. I wasn't doing my work. You know, whatever. Like. That's on un- again unhealthy. Yeah, I think you've really got to like define a boundary of of something that you do with your time, and then make that make that the thing. Make it useful. Yeah, yeah. Because I think anything that you get into, you could feel like I'm wasting a lot of time mm. doing this. I think the the thing with video games as well is uh is they well they're designed right so that we feel a sense of reward mm. that we would normally feel from a much longer. Uh, fulfilling activity not that video games aren't fulfilling you know but you know that that's how game design is set up right mm-hmm. and so that can be really addictive because you get that sense of I mean the the um, endorphins endorphins or dopamine yeah yeah which which can which is kind of false well, I mean, which isn't you know again I'm I'm, I'm treading on eggshells here because um Everyone should be allowed that right to 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 experience that endorphins and those endorphins and that dopamine, but it it can quickly become addictive, right? As I've experienced with with Pokemon, because you're like, "Wow, I just caught that Pokemon. That's great." But as soon as you switch that off, like, where's that gone? Mm. Um, so it's it's separating that maybe. Would yeah. you say as I've come to understand psychology, which I understand a bit of a certain psychology, nice. like you know, a tiny amount. Um, that is true of 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 everything. That your brain is wired to seek immediate satisfaction, and it does reward you with dopamine or whatever it is. Mm. And then that response becomes less and less over time. Right. So you're right that like, and especially as games become like they call it games as service now. Right. So that's your like Fortnite, um, where mostly like multiplayer games where. It doesn't have an end. It doesn't have an objective. You don't get yeah, to the end of it, and yeah. then you can neatly pack it away in a box. You can. The goal of these games is that you play them forever. The if they don't have to make another game because everyone's still playing this one and spending loads of money on it, then great. That you know they've done. They just keep updating the service and thinking of better ways for you to keep coming back all the time. Yeah. And then yeah, that's where it does become dangerous because you sort of seeking that when you win. You feel that rush of endorphins. When you lose, it's devastating. So you can't leave it there. 
you you go back to right know, right you, you play again and yeah then you, you play and then when you do win it feels incredible so you play again yeah and then you lose and you don't want to leave it there so you play again and it that is a really that is a dangerous cycle picross picross oh my god i'm playing this puzzle game oh my god <laughs> you get like halfway through a puzzle and you're like wow this is really tiring this is really taking it out of me and then you get towards the end of the puzzle and you feel it all clicking into place and it's oh my god it's so rewarding and then your brain's just like do another one yeah and I think I've managed to put that in a box in my head where I'm like this is a puzzle game so it's smart it's making my brain better mm. so then I'm you know more easily led into playing those again yeah um, but yeah on the my my point of bringing the psychology of it up is that um, I, the more I've come to understand that psychological reward system, I, they actually feel more, I think, I guess everything else feels less valuable in relation to video games as, as it might have. Right. Cause I sort of think it's, it, it, if, if that's triggering the same, I mean, I don't, I'm trying, I can't think of a good example that isn't terrible. Like I was thinking of like books, <laughs> but you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess there's an argument that on a, on a biochemical level, it is as valuable to play Bloodborne for three hours yeah. as it is to read a few chapters of a book. Yeah. It feels the same, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 I guess that's what I'm saying that in, in terms of your own brain, it's only your inhibition and your prejudice or your whatever against yourself and how you spend your time that makes you... Um, you know, makes you worry about it, mm. and I guess the, I, I think that it really took me a long time to be, to be like, okay with, right. This is what I'm going to do right now. I think it's like a is a decision thing, right? Yeah, yeah. As long as you You've feel got to like be in control of that. Yeah, as long as you feel like you did, that's what you're deciding to do, and you're not just doing it because no, well, I might as well just sit and do this, or. Um, I really need some fulfillment, some satisfaction mm. right now. What am I going to do? Oh, I'll play Picross. And then you play that and then you beat one and then you go, oh, well, it didn't really fill the hole. So I'll play another one. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I, 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 you know, and, and it's, it's fine because I'm trying not to beat myself up about it. I have lost hours in that game. I've lost, I've, I've like, gone to bed and been like I'll just play one before bed and then it's like one in the morning and I'm like oh god what have I done and <laughs> and I also I always listen to a, a podcast or something that I again deem as clever or worthwhile while yeah, I'm playing yeah. it Yeah. but is that just a way to justify it to myself where I'm like oh I can play this for as long as I want because because I'm also educating myself or, yeah. or expanding my my consciousness or my horizon of how other people are experiencing the world because I could do those things without playing Picross yeah I could do that on a walk which is also yeah, good for my yeah. my mental health or you know again read it in a book which is probably a you know a, a, not a better but another more direct way to gain knowledge and which I am reading a bit more yeah you are definitely has this turned into a little bit of like a, I'm justifying my habits and behaviors i don't know i think i think the i said this to you the other day like um you're very aware as a game you're very self-aware and i think that's maybe the most important thing like you say the the escapism thing it's easy to to mindlessly feel a bit bad about your life or or whatever and and then turn to that to get that reward and then as soon as it's off it's the reward's gone you're, yeah, you're, you're back, back to your it sad life yeah know? 
rather than facing your demons. Yeah, I'm wary of escapism in all forms because mm. of that. And that comes down to like my taste in theatre and film. And Yeah, and, yeah. Know, I never wanted to make anything where people were fully immersed. I wanted them to remember that they were in the auditorium and should be reflecting on their own experiences. Sorry to interrupt. No, that was very useful, as we were talking about you. Uh, and yeah, I think... Um, I, I think it's just a, a a journey that you've been on, you know, to... Sorry to use the J word, everyone. To uh, <laughs> to get to this point. And dropped a hot J. Yeah. <laughs> to get to this point and, and, and sort of be, be in control of that, that relationship that you have with, with a, a passion of yours, a hobby. Yeah. And, and that's the cool thing about it is that I have turned it into a passion and a hobby. I'm, 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 I've moved, I'm a long way from playing Guitar Hero World Tour in, in my bedroom every day. I got that for Christmas and I realized that it must have been in like February or March. I was like, I've played this every day since I got it for Christmas and then decided, and um, this is like, this always manifests itself in my in my brain. My brain likes to do this, as you know, from like meditation and stuff. Yeah. Like once I realized that I was on a streak, I was like, I'm going to see how far I can keep this going. So even if I was only playing one game, one song a night after school or whatever, I played it, I tried to play it every day. And I remember, <laughs> I remember counting up like 150 days that I'd played wow. Guitar Hero World Tour every day at least one song for that's crazy but then again that was that was not out of this is my hobby this is my passion it was just out of what you know what if i might as well um and i've gone i've come a long way from getting so angry trying to play the drum tracks that i throw a drumstick against the door and it snaps in half and no then way. Like, yeah i've actually broken my property and luckily for me i was a i'm a drummer anyway so that was yeah. the I had you know loads of sticks left, but that that's really destructive and not yeah. that's not healthy. That's not cool. And now, yeah, that, that wasn't because games were my hobby. It's because I didn't have anything to do with my life, and I was trying to like escape in, yeah, into yeah. them. And um, I mean, I wish I had Guitar Hero World Tour right now. Oh my gosh! And that was the only other game for me. Yeah, uh, Guitar Hero and Rock Band that would really like get me fired up, stimulating, right? Yeah, yeah, stimulating exciting you felt like you were building a skill didn't you yeah definitely and i remember saying this was like before i played any guitar or bass or anything saying to my dad being like yo well i play guitar so that's gonna lead me on to guitar he was like it's nothing like guitar and i was like yeah but it must be a bit and 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 now i'm like what the what was i on you play guitar hero before you play bass yeah when did you start playing bass uh goodness 14 <gasps> no way maybe 13 oh my god i i just i've always assumed that you were a lot younger really because you oh my god <laughs> holy shit you're like <laughs> how are you how are you such a wizard you've oh, been playing I'm, like uh, no what are you 24 uh 23 23 you've been playing less than 10 years well i mean i played i guess that's a long time but, yeah but yeah. still i played piano first you know i started training classically in piano when I was like six maybe I did stop for a few years um but um but I also you know having having a music teacher as a dad is is uh is cool because you're surrounded by musicality all the time you know mm. you're constantly having those chats about oh what's this uh interval and what what does this do and and again that's like like I said earlier um the, where, where you don't you're not necessarily picking it up at the time but then when you start to employ it in your practice or in your playing later 
you go, oh, of course, that's what it meant. Mm-hmm. And things move on a bit quicker. Subconsciously, it's already part of yeah, you. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Wow, that's amazing. Because it's part of your atmosphere and uh, landscape. Yeah, yeah. Now I think about it, I guess, like, it, it makes more... It, it definitely, like, if you'd said that you... Like, you, you started playing piano at six. That makes a lot of sense yeah, to me. I yeah. I think I would be... Because even from there, your music theory is... Yeah. Is music is music theory, like, a part of learning to play piano? Uh, I think it's a part of learning to play every instrument. Not but the way it's... I do it. <laughs> 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 but it's, it's easily lost uh, if you're self-taught uh, because of the nature of the teaching, you know? And um... I just... I feel, I feel like... When you learn theory, I think of it in terms of on a piano. Yeah. And also when I think of someone learning piano, I think they're inherently learning theory. Right, right. I I think it makes the most sense. And I think, you know, um, when people who are playing other other instruments are taking theory exams, because um, with ABRSM, which is the, the sort of probably the biggest exam board, music exam board in the country, to get past... Uh, grade five in an instrument you have to pass your grade five theory exam um and i think that you you look at a piano a lot because it's visually it's uh it's all the notes laid out in order right? yeah yeah and so that surely just makes the most sense yeah unfortunately i can't <laughs> make more of a comment on that because because i did play piano you know yeah right uh, but i i think that definitely helped um and then in in my sort of learning of guitar and bass you know which was largely self-taught knife seven percent self-taught you know uh maybe even more i uh would would constantly sort of watch videos and things and 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 uh i, I don't know if this will make any sense but try to think of it as a guitar player you know or as a bass player and then actually i i was like well let's think about this as i would think about piano and then it suddenly made sense to me. Um, I don't know if anybody else has had any experiences like that. Um, but, you know, I think when you, when you certainly if you teach yourself guitar or bass, it's a lot of like boxes and patterns, which is great. But I just wasn't used to that because it, that's not the way you, you learn piano, really. And so as, as soon as I was able to apply the way that my brain was, was um, accustomed to to that, things started to unlock I realised just the other day that I play guitar like a guitar hero player (laughs) (laughs) green blue (laughs) yeah I just like because you've got and I mean even even there you've got five buttons on the controller you've got four fingers to to press them with so when I started playing the guitar I assigned one finger to a fret that that does make sense though. Right? It makes sense to a degree, but I mean, they're what twenty twenty four <laughs> frets. So I've I realised like when there's an interval of of two frets, I would do an interval of two fingers. Right. And then realised recently from like watching players and like punk players and stuff playing. I mean, that's a really bad example, but <laughs> anyone who's playing like lead. Yeah. And people with longer fingers than me, maybe also. I've got really short <laughs> fingers. I think that's also a, a, a symptom of it. But um, like. People aren't necessarily using two fingers to two yeah. frets. People are using two fingers to three frets or four <laughs> frets. And I was like, oh, this is a, a real revelation for me. And I've probably been playing the guitar for as long as you've been playing the bass. Yeah. And I've just figured out that it is different to Guitar Hero. 
I, I, I think actually that's you probably got a more worthwhile skill out of that because I think the danger is that you, from what I found, is that you end up using like two fingers all the time because it feels especially like that little pinky when people are playing guitar always gets neglected. Well, I think that's my that that was kind of my thing that like I can't not very I can't use my pinky very my little finger very well right. And then realised, oh, well, no one's doing it because why would you? Because you can just use your stronger, you know, possibly your strongest finger. Yeah. I, I think that's a bad habit, though. Right. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. I mean, no, I, I, I guess... I see what you're saying. I guess that's me being, like, a bit snobby. <laughs> because, because I'm like... We got yeah. really in the weeds here about <laughs> yeah. how snobby it is to use your little finger or not on the guitar. Um, but I, th- I think it's easy to, you know... I, and it, it's a stylistic thing as well, isn't it? You know, a lot of... Uh, sliding up to to frets and that sort of thing is 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 cool in certain scenarios and sounds... which you would never do with your little finger right no i mean i i wouldn't <laughs> i think that was a terrible idea i'd pro- i'd use one of these two uh but... your first and your four fingers yeah no Point, your pointer and your ring finger yeah or would you my, slide my with s- your swiveler <laughs> your swiveler <laughs> i think i'd probably use this one uh, which I'm, I'm holding my middle finger. You just up. swore at me. That was so, totally uncalled for. You slide with your middle finger. I think so. I like this one. That's interesting. I'd slide with my ring finger. Right, but I, I do a lot of. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm studying for my uh, grade six electric guitar at the minute. I say studying. I got the book on Monday. It is now Friday. Well, yeah, I've, but I I've read through it. <laughs> You've made phenomenal progress also that you decided to teach yourself to play the guitar um, properly. properly yeah during yeah. lockdown and you've like made phenomenal progress so but I, I think one of the one of the things that I I'm really keen to like bed into my practice there with with things like scales is using your little fingers is, yeah <laughs> well it's using all four right? right because then you're more you're a more efficient player yeah especially playing fast things yeah because otherwise you I'm not suggesting that nobody uses the <laughs> them <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> I, I, they definitely like if you start shredding. Like yeah, yeah. Tom Morello's definitely using his little finger on uh, that. Really, I just outed myself as as a person who knows nothing about guitar players. <laughs> I cited Tom Morello as a technical uh, player, which he kind of is. Yeah, right? yeah, his, I, sol- his solos see. are really technical. Um, yeah, and well, it's, it's about style as well, isn't it? Like we're saying, what what you're trying to do, if if bashing out the cowboy chords singing Ed Sheeran is your thing then then fantastic <laughs> what a cowboy chord oh you mean like oh uh, that like, no, that was snobby like, <laughs> do you mean like GCD yeah right yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> um, no but uh, like that's that's the the great thing about guitar isn't it is because because it is accessible enough, look right? at you trying to backpedal <laughs> when I was in um, I I know you need to get a shower oh, I think I'll be alright when I was in um, I was in a band with a guy called Patrick McCallion from Halifax in Shelf uh, <laughs> that's what we call a callback um, and he uh, his writing style was really simple and he at the time was like my favourite songwriter in the whole world and I don't know if I could, was if that was just approximation that it was more impressive because I was near it mm-hmm. and you know part of his life Um but he managed to take uh maybe we call do we call it a style where you know a lot of his stuff was that sort of 
as you know similar chord progression and a lot of it wasn't he was he was but th- this is my point that he was a very versatile artist and a writer mm. while also being able to lean on some of those similar structures and chord progressions yeah. and make everything he did sound just like him in a beautiful way yeah, but yeah. also so different and the 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 band before I was in the band released an album and every track was like there was like a uh, like a punk like a green day punk track on it and acoustic ballads and uh, like a big rock ballad near the end and they, like a, a real versatile and there was one that was like a, a polka tune almost like <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah yeah real versatile writer and one of the most talented people I've ever met yeah yeah um and and it's not and that's to say that there's nothing I don't think there's anything about simplicity in music that, mm. that inherently makes it less than yeah or, I I think my my gripe that maybe I've, I'm not really getting at is uh is is about like fast fast production and it becomes becomes lazy um you know and I think it's too easy these days to like make a beat and then and then sing over it and yeah. And then it just sounds like every other bit of trash that's on uh, on the charts. Oh, hot take! Uh, <laughs> um, we were t- I was I was telling you about this though that um, Dead Mouse has a masterclass, mm. and he was saying in the advert for the masterclass, and I couldn't I can't tell whether he's saying this disparagingly or as a celebratory thing of the way the medium's going. But he was like, any kid can make a beat on their laptop, and you know it gets in the charts. And I don't know if that's him saying. We need to learn to be better at this because anyone can do it. And yeah. Now, and now the market is saturated with with shit that anyone can make. Yeah. Or if he was celebrating that, and I don't know, like I don't know where I stand on that. Obviously, we were we were talking. We started this conversation about were we was that even in the? Ch- I don't know. It's been a long <laughs> been a long talk. But, we, but it, it makes me think of like Phineas released the mm. most probably the most successful album of the year that Billie Eilish's record came out, and that was all in his bedroom. Yeah. I haven't listened to that record. I don't want. To, I don't have any interest yeah, in listening yeah. to that record. But I know what he wasn't doing. He's just making EDM beats or yeah, yeah or writing right? cowboy chords. <laughs> the, I think, as far as I can tell from what I have heard of that record, it is still quite creative. And so there's a there's a there's a almost a not a responsibility. I don't think artists have any. I don't know. That's also oh, a complex issue. Rabbit hole. Artists definitely have responsibility. Yeah. But in terms of like quality. Like, I, d- I don't know, I think... Yeah, is that in the responsibility of the audience to decide? Yeah, it's it's, it's your fault. If you we enjoy If you enjoy Ice Ice Baby and listen to it a million times and it gets in the charts, it's the artist's fault, not Vanilla Ice. Yeah. No, wait, the, the, the audience's audience fault. fault. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Um, there's a really interesting discussion there that I'm skipping over just to make my point and yeah. let you go for a shower. Um <laughs> But there might be, it might be that Phineas has a responsibility, I'm not just Phineas, but as an example, has a responsibility that because now the tech is so accessible, but he doesn't want to abuse that. He wants to use it to make something that is still right. virtuosic and, um, you know, and and, and, yeah. and, and worthwhile and, and listenable. And yeah. it's probably a really good thing that, that that record in particular got. Did it win a Grammy, that? I think so, didn't it? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I mean, um, I, I have to say I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of of Billie Eilish's songwriting, but I think there's a lot of awesome stuff that's that's on the, on the tracks that I've heard. You know, it's not to my taste, but I I, I don't think 
I wouldn't diminish the the quality of of what's what's been done there. Yeah, and I guess I'm specifically talking to about the at least the, like the tombra of yeah, it is yeah. is creative and 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 I know like you know there's lots of samples and stuff that are quite inspired. Yeah. Um, and bad guy is just a, it's such a strange. Like the first time I heard that, I was like, it's like if um, if Migos made music for Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> yeah, it's a real like melting pot of a lot of different things, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a it's like a kooky, fun song, you know. In yeah. as much as it's got like a darkness to it, and even as like even in that five second analysis of that song, I think that's evidence enough that that isn't just. Yeah. cynically produced trash. Yeah. Rubbish. It's, n- it's not Shape of You by Ed Sheeran. Whoa! <laughs> Which I am, of course, telling the truth. I don't like that song. <laughs> and that is my taste. <laughs> Cancel me. <laughs> and implicitly, everyone is wrong if they like that song. That's what you're suggesting. Absolutely not. I think if you like... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stop pointing these fingers at me. Why everybody betray me? <laughs> Oh, we didn't even get a chance to... Uh, I wanted to talk about all the TV and film and stuff we watched over lockdown, so we'll have to save that for next Next episode time. includes The Room. Review of The Room, a movie from 2003. Yeah. Four, three, four, yeah. three. Star Wars, the sequels. Why they're tricky. Uh, the MCU, Jake's experience of watching it in 2020 and uh, YouTube poop how it's moved from <laughs> we did have a, a critical discussion yesterday yeah, of yeah. This is YouTube poops to. I bet lots of people don't know what YouTube poop is look it up there's your homework everyone um, well I feel like I've been really I've been really like snobby on this <laughs> no man you don't got to worry about that I, I think, think it's just my taste right well, yeah, I think I'm not. I'm not diminishing anyone's uh, life based on whether they enjoy something or. Mate, you've been talking about. You've been using. You've been talking about whether someone uses a little finger to play guitar. If anybody's getting upset about that because they align their identity with how they play their instrument, that's not. In, you know, it's not incumbent on you. Yeah. We you you haven't said anything super offensive. Tweet me at Richard. Madison, wait, what's his name? Who? What's your, what's your Twitter handle? The guy from um, <laughs> Richard Armitage. Yeah, I thought who's Richard? I thought you meant. You, I was thinking the guy from uh, <laughs> yeah, Richard, Richard Maidley, <laughs> dressed as Ali G. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, I meant to talk to you about all these things that you're doing. You're launching a YouTube channel. Is that public? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Uh, not right now. But it can be by the time we this... can not talk about that. No, no, I'd love to. Of... I'd love to. I didn't even um, think about whether you were talking about that yet or not. No, no, no. I don't know when absolutely. I'm posting this. So. Absolutely, uh, I'm. I'm pretty sure it'll either be out or in the works. Uh, it's going to be largely um, music covers my original work, which I've started writing. Excuse me. Um, maybe some gear reviews. Uh, and I'm I'm gonna start building guitars, posting videos of that, and also conversely, uh, because I just want to saturate everything, uh, I am writing a sketch series um, about um, a young guy who moves back in with his parents a number of years after leaving uni, um, and his relationship 
with that whole experience and uh, it's going to star me as a version of myself and my mum as a version of herself which I'm really excited about my mum uh, is hilarious and uh, I think she'll she'll shine in this new opportunity that I'm giving her <laughs> to be a YouTube star that is going to be amazing I think I think you, you're astute about how funny your mum's going to be in that yeah she's, she's hilarious and I'm excited too to see you as the straight man in that I guess we were... yeah I I, I, as I explained it to her, I am some kind of combination of, oh, who did I say? You said to me, David uh, Brent and Ricky Gervais, yeah. which I thought was funny because it's the same person. <laughs> no, I didn't say David Brent, Peter Kay and Ricky Gervais. Oh. Maybe, or maybe I probably I said, said David, David Brent. Brent. I didn't mean that. Um, yeah, so Peter Kay and Ricky Gervais, and my mum is going to be a mixture of Lynn from Alan Partridge. <laughs> And Pam from Gavin and Stacey. Just imagine that combo. Um, but oh. I, I think it's going to be, I think it's be a, a fun experience, you know, whether anything comes out of it or not, and a, and a chance to showcase some of my writing abilities, maybe. Yeah, awesome. So, is there a name for that yet? Do we know uh, where we're I, going? I think it's going to be called Backtrack. That's at least a working title. Um, so yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited. I've started working on the first episode. And uh, and it's it looks looks really good so far. So sweet. And what's the channel gonna be called? Uh, or do you not? I don't know how much of this you even want to talk about. No, I'd love to. Uh, I I think um, it's just gonna be called Jamie Noel N O W E W L. Um, yeah, I don't really know how to how this YouTube thing works. <laughs> 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 but uh, if you you'll be able to follow me on. Um, Twitter at Jamie Noel four, J A M I E N O W E L four, um, and a lot of the updates will be on there. I am gonna be changing my uh, Instagram and starting a Facebook page to go along with it as well. But right now, I don't know what the neither the hashtags and uh, the handles and things are. But in the coming weeks. If Jake will have me on again. What do you mean? This is our thing now. I'm not doing this on my own anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the coming weeks. Oh, right. Well, we need to talk more about you next time then. Uh, in the coming weeks, I will update you as and when I know things. And Ophelia's music is on Spotify. It's on Spotify. And it's very, very good. I mean, like, you know, when, Thanks, when, when your mates have bands sometimes and... Um, you know the, the recordings are scrappy and the the quite simple. This is not what that is. I I kind of want to. I don't. I'm sorry if that's condescending. Not at all. But I just want to make that clear. Like this isn't what like that. This is like music tech students that are yeah. also very accomplished musicians, like really seriously accomplished musicians and and great songwriting. Yeah. So yeah, do that. And also, if visual is more your thing, there's there are videos on YouTube. Yeah, we're on YouTube. Uh, just under Ophelia. Ophelia is A P. I'm not going to spell it. A P H E L I A. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram as at Ophelia the Band and Twitter at Ophelia the. Nice. We ditched the band for that one just to be controversial. <laughs> yeah, but definitely listen to the tunes because yeah, that'd like, be like, awesome. It's like it's like. I want to say like they sound like a real band. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do know what I mean. I, I testament to the guys. You know, I can't take any credit for that because I do none of the production work or anything. Um, 
but uh, but those guys are just fantastic. They're all like as you say, accomplished musicians, um, and they they know their way around a sound desk. I'll tell you that. That's right. Cool. Um, well, I look forward to staying in touch with you. Me too. Thanks so much for having me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I kind of don't want to do this without Aww. on my own anymore. I kind of want to do this as a vehicle for me and you to ride the wave of, of destiny. <laughs> All right. You go get a shower. Thanks. You've got to be out very soon. Yeah. Quick one. And I'll be finishing The Last of Us 2. Whoa, that's so exciting. All right, yeah. Can't wait. See you next time for more shenanigans. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye